0: Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you might laugh or you might learn. My name is Theo, coming to you live from day 27 of my personal quarantine. This podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. If you're here for another time, welcome back and let's get right into it. As more of a personal update, uh, online classes started this previous Monday, and for some reason, I'm exhausted. Um, for no real apparent reason. They're, the classes are just online on Zoom, but I'm, I'm so sleepy. Like, I just can't, Even I, can, I can't even hide my camera. And I'm just like, this is draining me. Um, in addition, my island reached three stars on Animal Crossing, so I'm calling that a win. Uh, I've been playing Valorant, which is this new closed beta game by Riot Games anytime I'm not playing Animal Crossing. Uh, it's definitely taken the place of me playing copious amounts of Call of Duty previously, but the thing about Valorant is that I'm not really any good at it. Uh, it's a PC game, and usually I play Xbox and whatever on consoles. So out here, I'm out here trying to figure out just how to work a mouse and a keyboard, and I am struggling. Um, it's fun. Like I, I'm, I enjoy learning, but man, I am getting clapped. Uh, <laughs> and my favorite thing since last recording is that I've exponentially increased my knowledge about competitive League of Legends. It's it's so fun to watch. It's, a, it's insane how hype the crowd gets when you watch like the older videos, like pre-quarantine and everything like that, especially like in Europe and Asia, like just the atmosphere. It feels like a football game, like an American football game. And the, like they have such good visuals and the theatrics and the player intros and everything like that. It's just been so much fun. Uh, learning about that kind of side of esports and gaming and things like that. Today, I would like to talk about the history of social media and its trends over time. And this idea was generated by a few tweets I saw the other day, and I'm going to dive into those a bit later. So for reference, on the second episode of this podcast, I discussed how involved I am in content consumption via social media and how I spend hours on hours on Twitter every day. For some scale, I joined Twitter around my 18th birthday in 2015, and I had, like, the typical slow start, but once I got to college, it was nothing but comedy on the timeline every single day. Twitter's where I discuss sports, how I learn about new music, get high-quality memes, and get a good amount of, like, my current up-to-date information, news, politics, or whatever it may be. Uh, I get that from Twitter, because, you know... Uh, if you're a good brand, you're going to keep your Twitter up to date, whether you're the Associated Press, New York Times, whatever it may be. Back to the memes part of it. I have, as of this recording, 1,946 pictures uh, com- and videos combined in my memes folder on my phone. I don't play games. <laughs> like, I, For me, it's all about in the group chat, you gotta get that good meme in there before the topic changes, or you missed it. Now you're late and you completely fumbled the bag. Uh, one of the best apps ever that I learned from on Twitter actually is the Shortcuts app, where you can download certain shortcuts that will allow you to do things like turn multiple alarms on at once, download YouTube videos straight to your phone, and my personal favorite, download videos straight from Twitter to your phone. It's amazing. Like you, you don't have to screen record or anything like that. You just like go into like the share options. You share to the shortcuts app. You use the Twitter downloader, and you just ha- you have the video, same frames per second, completely unadulterated. It's fantastic. Uh, for even bigger reference, like my social media just consumption rate. Uh, pre quarantine, my most used app on my phone was via Screen Time was Twitter at around 14 and a half hours a week. Then YouTube with around nine hours a week and Instagram before I got really annoying with around five and a half hours a week. Now in quarantine, it's Twitter with 19 and a half hours a week, YouTube with 10 and a half hours a week and the brand new Gen Z app, TikTok, uh, was six and a half hours a week. So to summarize, uh, I'm really a a social media guy. I'm gonna start the deeper dive of today's conversation discussing YouTube. So the first videos I routinely watched were all video game walkthroughs around like 2009. I was actually I actually got to, into Pokemon really really late for like the average person who played it. Um, I didn't start playing until like 2008 2009. Uh, my parents were not about that lifestyle, but I finally got into it around then and that's when i actually started watching like walkthroughs of the game t- like taking me to like like walking me through like caves and like pokemon i would have never naturally run into because you know the only ways to play pokemon fire red with a super powerful charizard and that's that's all you need um but i like started getting into those videos and those videos also helped with like my interest in like public speaking because people were like commentating over the games and i would pretend to do it too so i would like play the game and I would discuss what I was doing. And it like really actually helped with my like narration and like my like intonation and things like that. Uh, And from there, going into like those kinds of walkthroughs, I branch into like other video gaming content too. So as far as individual content creators go, I was a massive fan of America's Best Dance Crew back when they were still on air. And the season three champions Quest Crew were my favorites at the time. Um, I still really like like, uh, the Jabbawockees. Like I followed them on TikTok and their videos are fantastic. Um, but this was like when I first started watching. And I remember, I don't know if it was season three when I started watching or if that was a part of the reruns, whatever it may be, uh, Quest Crew my favorite was Dietrichs, and the funny thing, he was on Quest Crew and he had a YouTube channel, so I immediately went over there, started watching his content, and that led me to Ryan Higa, AKA Niga Higa, and it all blew up from there. So this was like the early 2010s, and around that time I was watching a lot of Prank vs. Prank, Achievement Hunter, Epic Meal Time, uh, Ray William Johnson equals three, Epic Rap Battles of History, and then my favorite of all time, Swoozy. Of all those channels, I still watch Spoozy and still will rewatch his old content happily. Uh, There was certainly a period where I got into the vlogging side of YouTube and how cool that seemed, but it seemed like as soon as I started watching it, I stopped watching it just as quickly. Um, It's definitely interesting looking at how my viewing patterns changed because I got in to YouTube because of dancing and gaming, and now I'm still in largely because of gaming, but because of news and sports now too i used to watch a lot of dance tutorials like matt stefanina and wildebeest and i also really got into the educational channels like Vsauce, scishow minute physics uh asap science life Noggin, crash course and mental floss like those kinds of channels and i was really into those but now the only one i routinely watch is cgp gray he doesn't upload Askins like that often but his videos are they're really really good um one of my favorites that he went through was the logistics of how to perfectly unload a plane in terms of like the overhead cabins because now it's like you get off a plane people stand up and it takes forever and ever and ever to go from wherever you're sitting like you're in row 33 one row from the back of the plane and you're gonna it's gonna take you like 25 minutes to get off the plane but he had like this perfect like diagram of how to like board a plane and then how to like get off the plane like luggage and everything and it was like a really really good video and i've been watching him since like 2013 14 like around then um and then like i got into list shows later so like watch mojo and like all time tens those were basically very mindless videos to just distract me from whatever i should have been doing and then Content shows like React, The Fine Brothers, and CinemaSins. CinemaSins was really good for a while. And then I just stopped watching movies. Like, it was really strange. Like, I had this really weird lull where all I really watched were MCU movies. So, uh, as long as it, if it wasn't an MCU, Marvel movie, or like, or maybe even like a DC movie, I really wasn't like finding too much content on his channel that I liked. And then I got into more cartoon channels similar to Swoozy, like Casually Explained and The Odd One's Out. I watch Casual Explained from time to time now, but uh, not nearly as frequently. Nowadays, it's all Philip DeFranco. Uh, Last week tonight with John Oliver for like like my news kind of content, and then video game highlights, sports highlights when there were you know actual sports that were going on, and uploads from Undisputed, First Things First, and Colin Cowherd. So like that was the that's the Fox Sports one side of everything, um, and I have like a very old man's viewing style when it's just sports and news for the majority of my content and it's sprinkled him in with some video games so I can feel young again. <laughs> so now for a more general view of YouTube, which has absolutely exploded uh, over the past decade. All historical data was found on Fandom, Social Blade, and of course, my memory. <laughs> so for those who remember, Fred was the first YouTube channel to pass a million subscribers back in 2009, which was just an insane number. Like one million subs was just unheard of. Um, In 2011, Ray William Johnson closed the year, number one in terms of subscribers with five million subscribers, while there were still under 40 channels to have one million subscribers back in 2011. Now there are over 16,000 channels over a million subscribers with the top 50 all over 29 million plus subscribers so the landscape is just completely different now music labels and artists have their channels with tens of millions of subscribers while endemic concrete content creators who have been around for forever may not even come close to those numbers like, I remember watching both KSI and PewDiePie, both, like, pre-explosion and popularity, because I really liked when KSI made FIFA videos before he started fighting whichever Paul brother... I don't care. Whichever of those two brothers he ended up fighting, I actually really liked his content. Then he started getting into, like, rapping, and, like, he had his own TV show. It just got really messy after that. And then I remember PewDiePie's, like, OG Slenderman videos and had no idea... That he'd be like the most popular individual content creator by a long shot now. And then some like YouTube, some fun YouTube trends that have happened over time. I remember like the boyfriend tag videos, like my boyfriend does my makeup, blah, 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 stuff like that. And then like parody vi- videos like the GOAT Weird Al Yankovic, like those videos are just so good. And then of course, Rick Rolling. Oof. Oh, man. Rickrolling was it was such a sensational time because the Internet was still super primitive. Like if you were young, you were probably good at the Internet. But if you were older, you're still definitely struggling with like setting up your email and stuff. So like it was really easy to get caught Rickrolling like like you could get anybody. It was such a great time. On the contrary, two of the YouTube trends that I've seen evolve over time and have grown to just hate. Uh, are both clickbait, both clickbait as a whole and like, quote unquote, prank videos. I remember like I used to actually despise Philip DeFranco, because in the old YouTube format, videos were restricted to being 10 minutes long. And your thumbnail had to be in the middle of the time sequence of that video. So what like they say, you had a 10 minute video, whatever was at five minutes, exactly, whatever that frame was, was going to be your thumbnail for that video so what he did was he would just put boobs at the halfway point of each of his videos every single time like every single time and, and I remember like scrolling on the trending page or whatever maybe and I keep what I would keep seeing like his his old name was sexy phil like s-x-e-p-h-i-l and I was like I hate seeing this guy like it was just so annoying um but now he's evolved and I'm, I'm super proud of it because He's my number one source for news and other other kinds of clickbait are just so misleading. They insinuate additional drama that may or may not have happened, but it's just messy. It's just messy, and I'm I'm just not a fan. But you know what? It's a, like I can't police everybody. You know. The other trend that I'm not a fan of are prank videos slash like social experiments, and, and they're just the worst, right? They're usually people being public nuisances or doing things that are otherwise deplorable and trying to avoid any immediate backlash because they're doing it for a prank quote unquote and it's just disgusting my, my least favorite of these people is adam Sala, and if you've never heard of him i'm sorry for temporarily introducing him to you adam posted a video in late 2016 where he claimed that delta t- kicked him and his friend off of a flight for speaking arabic on a plane so for reference adam is arab but but he had at the he had he had at the time repeatedly made youtube videos where he would dress in islamic clothing and scare people in public and then blame them for being scared by calling them racist so he would openly bother people he would like yell things at them, and like, th- like, like you would like insinuate that he dropped like a bomb near them, and like, and run away. Like he was being a public nuisance, and then he decides to pull this stunt, and it, it just absolutely blew up, right? So, passengers after the video blew up on Twitter and YouTube posted their comments and videos, and it showed Adam counting down backwards very loudly on a plane in Arabic. Now. Was America very tense in 2016 when this happened? Yes. Was Islamophobia very bad in 2016? Yes. However, you cannot do that on a plane in any language repeatedly without getting in trouble. And the way he framed it was that Delta was being racist and social media just ate it up. Like I remember when it came to me, when it came to my attention, it had like 80 Thousand retweets, but like I remember it, like the last like when I most recently checked on it, when however long ago that was, it was in the neighborhood of like two hundred fifty thousand retweets. Like it, it just exploded, and I remember when it came my way, like I, I didn't buy into it because I knew I'd seen that guy's face before. I'm like something about him feels familiar, so I went to his Twitter where he posted it, and then I saw a YouTuber, and I'm like, huh. This seems a little suspicious. Clicked on it, scrolled right down to where I needed to get to, and boom. Saw two different videos. Uh, it was a bunch of quote-unquote pranks of him doing things in Arabic to scare people. And it's all, that's all the evidence I needed. Like, he's just an awful human being. Like, he's just an awful person. Uh, and that's, that's where I'll wrap up you, you, my spiel about YouTube. So I'll segue to Instagram before I get into Twitter, because... Instagram trends are certainly easier to recollect and also three times more annoying than Twitter's, especially right now, that's just my opinion. So Instagram gets a little blurry for me. I joined in late 2013, I had no idea what I was doing. I had braces, uh, like selfies were way out of the question and stories weren't a thing until 2016 when back then, admittedly, a lot of people thought Instagram stories, why would I do that? I'll just use Snapchat. (laughs) how how dumb we were uh and it felt like the wild wild west like every night after 8 p.m it was like for a tbh and rate right everywhere and like an idiot i didn't know what those meant i i literally didn't know what i was like like i was like tbh like literally a post would have like a really cool background and it would just say tbh and i'm like i wonder what that means but like some of my friends would post it so i would just like it because i'm like oh my friend posted this i'll like this right uh so I just liked it, and I wanted to support them, and I was just like, hey, "Yeah, you know, you know, like for a TBH, sure, man. That's the, that's the vibe." I'm glad I never cared about them, cause like, imagine, imagine you had a crush on somebody, right? And you did that like TBH thing, like imagine you were like, "This is my, this is my moment. This is how I shoot my shot." They posted a like in TBH for a rate. I'm gonna double tap that, and this is my moment. This is how I get in there, right? And they hit you with the on idk you seem cool i guess five that's it imagine imagine getting dunked on like that i would never talk to anyone ever again like it'd be over i would throw on marvin's room as loud as humanly possible my house is hearing it for the next week straight like there is no way i would (laughs) even subject myself to something like that oh man but i instagram trends are interesting like I wonder if the things that happened when I was in high school from like 2011 to 2015, did they happen because I was in high school or did they happen because it was like 2013, right? Like, do the do the Gen Z slash Zoomers slash the quarantines, like, do they do they still do that stuff? Like, oh man, my my favorite thing is looking back. On people's pages who didn't delete or archive their really old pictures and seeing like those Valencia filter 37% sharpen 91% warm Samsung Galaxy S4 pictures like oh my goodness what were we doing back then like people really posted a picture wearing a snapback true religion and a G-Shock with a deep fry filter on their pictures. Like we were deep frying pictures and posting them. Like who who did we even think we were? <laughs> like we were deep frying pictures. Oh my goodness. But shout out to the Man Crush Mondays, the whatever on our Tuesdays were, Women Crush Wednesdays, Throwback Thursdays, Flashback Fridays, uh the Selfie Saturdays or Sundays, whatever day. Oh my goodness, we were a mess, and it turns out we're not much better, right? Like we're like Instagram stories have devolved to a point where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna draw a carrot. You better draw that carrot. You, I'm a, I'm a tag. You better draw that carrot. I'm like, hey, uh, first of all, I can't draw. Second of all, no. Um, <laughs> but it's like, ain't no way. Like there was the the until tomorrow. Like come on, just make a finster. Like if it's gonna be a bad picture, okay, buy into it, make it a bad picture. If it's gonna be a just okay picture, you're not buying in. Just make a finsta. It's okay. Finstas are okay, right? Like there, there was there was definitely an initial wave of pushback because everyone who went through like a slight emotional, like uh, just anything that was taxing to them at all. By the time they were a sophomore, either in high school or college, finsta got made. It just happens, right? but we've accepted it. Like Before it was like, who does that? Now it's like common conversation. Like I heard, I was at a networking event and one of the recruiters was openly talking about her Finsta and actually showed us. And I'm like, okay. Hey, I mean, if if a professional recruiter says it's okay to have a Finsta, then I think it's okay to have a Finsta, right? And I remember, oh man, what was that? I don't remember the brand of it because obviously I wasn't trying to get it for myself. Do you guys remember those red, that red swimsuit that just so happened to be everywhere? Like, oh my goodness, that, that thing was everywhere. <laughs> People were like, oh my God, I got to get it. I got to get it. Like just, oh my goodness. And then on top of that, when David Dobrik was going to give away that car, that car was everywhere. Like, I don't even remember. It was, was it white? Was it blue? I don't know. All I know is everyone's story. David Dobrik's going to give me a car. Therefore, I got to post it. And I'm like, good gracious. This thing's everywhere. Like, it felt like I was way, like, way back when, where it was, remember like the, the dress, like the, was it was a black, if it was black and blue or like white and gold or whatever. Like, I felt like I was seeing that swimsuit. As much as I was seeing that dress. By the way, it was black and blue. I don't know. I don't know. It was black and blue. All right. It's okay. It's okay. We're adults now. We can talk about it in an open forum. It was black and blue. Now to Twitter Twitter, the greatest social media app of all time. I joined in 2015 when quote tweeting still wasn't a thing. Uh, favoriting was still a star. Instead of the heart, it was a star. And then the format was all in blocks instead of like the round, how rounded the app format looks now. Now I remember how prominent Vine was at this time. And I'm lumping in Vine, TikTok and Twitter, like all in the same kind of section here because, you know, Vine got purchased by Twitter. I feel like I saw the really, really good Vines on Twitter and I see like the upper echelon on TikToks on Twitter as well. Twitter saw the era of tweet decking, which is basically a streamlined way to steal and repost popular tweets. And this era was like super defined by like that Dory account, the common white girl account, and the I remember Based Courage. Like the those are like the main three that were just stealing everybody's tweets. Um, and I just don't understand. Like for me, how do you n- like that? Like you know that that account took that from somewhere else. It's almost like, if I were to backtrack a little bit to Instagram, like Daquan, right? Daquan basically just reposts stuff, right? A lot of Insta. there's, I don't know of any Instagram meme accounts that just post original content. Like Instagram, re- like relies on Twitter for all of its meme content. So I'm like, Instagram meme pages suck. It's just as simple as that. Why? Because they're just Twitter. Like, it's Twitter on Instagram. Like, it's as simple as that. Um, Twitter made the decision to kind of get rid of those accounts a few years back. But the situation hasn't gotten much better. Uh, and one of, the, one of the more interesting things that I, I just can't get, like, Twitter does have some faults. And I'm, I'm going to get into those now. Before we get into the main ones, have the two side ones one thing I just, I cannot deal with on social media. I just can't. And I'm, if you get offended by this, that's my, that's not my fault. That is entirely your fault. I cannot understand why people will retweet posts or, or anything from a fake celebrity account, right? Like, how do you retweet some like Tory Lane's fan account? where it's like Tory Lanez is still like profile. It's still, it's the same exact profile picture, but it's not a verified account. And it's saying something like your, your true friends will show up at your darkest times. Or something, just something sad like that. Like, why do you retweet stuff like that? Like, it's not them. You know, it's, you, you would know better if it was them, right? Wh- why? Like if there's, oh my goodness, why? Like, why do you retweet something from a not real person? Or, I mean, it's a real person, but it's not a celebrity. They wouldn't like, why would they tweet some sad, deep stuff like that? And why are you being sad on the timeline? Like, just, just, uh first of all, want to say thank you to Instagram for following the Twitter route and adding the mute, the mute feature, mute, muting accounts is just, it's saved my quarantine. Thank goodness. Um, But yeah, anyone who retweets some like fake celebrity stuff, they get muted pretty straightforward. Um, another thing, I am not an astrology kind of guy. I, it's just not for me. Like if you were to say Theo scale of one to 10, how into astrology are you? I think that give me a, like a 1.1, 1. 1. uh, some of the memes that are involved with my astrology sign Aries, I guess. Um, they're funny. Like I like them. They're interesting, but there are people who are emotionally reliant on these things. And I just got to say, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm sorry I, I my worst my worst the, the the worst people about it are the ones that are like they preach it to you they're like you gotta get so in tune with like your emotional side like your like people's emotional intelligence isn't high enough so they really gotta start looking at their horoscope and what the stars are gonna tell them. I'm like, imagine being emotionally dependent on someone else retweeting something about some stars. imagine like I, I imagine thinking like yes the way to increase my emotional intelligence is to be detrimentally reliant on if this twitter account tweets what i need it to about my stars like what what like how are you going to tell me my emotional like the the people who are worse at this how are you going to tell me someone who doesn't know you and you don't know me that my emotional imbalance is caused by the fact that i don't know what my star is doing in gatorade right now like what Oh my god, I'm so out of balance cuz Mercury's in power raid right now. Like I don't care if if Venus is applying for Medicaid at this very moment. I do not care, all right? You're you are you are single. Your last three boyfriends cheated on you and you mean to tell me some stars are going to fix that for you? They're not. All right. I'm sorry I got a little intense there, but it it's true. So, the two main <laughs> the two main Parts of Twitter that have some concern, have, have something I want to address. One is a concern, and one is something that's very interesting. Um, one of them I just addressed the reposting kind of account, but I'll get into it a little further. And then the, the number one one is the bot account. So the bot accounts have been more complex over time lately, but I did notice something in common with them. They have a very set pattern as to how they interact. And I broke it down to a science. They usually have a very, very generic at handle. Um, For example, an account as of this recording got deleted. But when I was prepping for this topic, it was still alive. Um, The at was as follows at Emma, E-M-M-A, eat, E-A-T, lot, L-O-T. Very simple name, generic, right? The account is made very recently, like the tweet blew up, the tweet that made its way onto my timeline had blown up like end of March, but the account was also made in March 2020. Um, the accounts made very recently has a solid amount of followers, but is following zero people. The profile picture usually is a light skinned or fair skinned individual who is not showing their face. That's all they have all of that in common. They tweeted something very generic, akin to as I follow as follows uh I hate when my boyfriend who isn't my boyfriend does blah 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 blah. boom 57,000 retweets 100,000 likes I'm just like it, did do people just like are y'all not tired of retweeting the same thing over and over and over like I saw you retweet that last week like come on now go on that person's timeline and even though they follow zero people their timeline is full of the same exact thing i just described no face in the, po- in the profile picture generic tweet recent account they all have something in common though if you were to go under all of those accounts' viral tweet and you would see that they have the same exact thing and this was the quote under emma eat lots very viral tweet that i saw It is as follows. If you guys relate, go ahead and specifically ampersand, capital F, follow me. So if you guys relate, go ahead and follow me, comma, like this for a follow back, babes, like seven spaces, and then the red heart emoji next to the pouty eyes emoji, the one that my girlfriend uses on me literally all the time, um, every single time, right? Like the 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 pleading eyes emoji. I think that's what it's officially called. And it's quite incredible how advanced bots can be these days. Cause like, if you, if you were not paying attention, right. Let's just say you were in your feelings and they tweeted something in their feelings or that bot tweeted something that resonate with you. You would retweet it. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's a person. Like instead of an egg, like that it used to be. And you would retweet it and not think anything about it, but it's, that's a bot. Like it's a bot account. Like when I did research on this account, that account, had 960 tweets on its timeline but was following zero people i'm just like that doesn't make any sense but anyway back to twitter being great twitter does something that instagram cannot twitter is the best app at capturing current events and making them funny but also making sure that those of those jokes will be relevant moving forward i remember world war three night was just some of the funniest content i've ever seen Quote tweeting has taken the meme game to an entirely different level, where you can use a SpongeBob meme to respond to a coronavirus tweet and everyone still gets it, because that SpongeBob meme already went viral months ago. Uh, So if anyone's ever heard of the diffusion of innovation curve, I like to call it the diffusion of content innovation curve. Definitely defines Twitter and Reddit, uh, whichever one you prefer, as the innovators and early adopters. Instagram's always late to the party. And by the time it's gotten to Facebook, it's it's way over then. It's kind of like how your parents would say, oh, good job, that looks so great, to like your trash arts and crafts project that you did when you were a little kid. But now you laugh at the memes they show you like six business weeks after you saw it last time. And it's like, oh, mom, that's so funny. Like you saw that meme like in July of last year and she's like, oh my God, come see this on Facebook. And i will be like, oh, mom, that's so funny. It's like, it, it all comes full circle. The circle of life is amazing, right? Lastly, I wanna address a way that social media has shaped the entertainment and business world as we know it, free advertising. It's amazing how social media can make real world change happen because something's funny or the jokes about something is funny. The easiest examples ever include the Popeye's chicken sandwich. That would not have blown up the way it did if it wasn't for social media. It's so simple. like. It would, like, it was a direct correlation to how many people were tweeting and, like, Instagramming about it at the same time. That, literally, Popeyes ran out of the chicken sandwich. They ran out of chicken fillets to make sandwiches. Um, granted, they are here. Like, they're now, you know, here full-time. Like, they brought them back, like, fall of 2019. But, like, it was just so interesting to see how that worked. Because Popeyes could have never planned for that. Like, there was this... Um, I think, yeah, their account name is Supreme Dreams. Like, it's the, like, Mark and everyone like that. They made this, uh, they made, like, a bunch of videos involving that. And then, like, uh, the Lean Squad, they made uh, a bunch of, like, videos involving, like, Chick-fil-A and Pop. It was just so funny. And, like, pop should could have never planned for that. They could have never been like, yeah, these guys are going to tweet about this. And we're going to, like, see this through. Like, it, no one could have ever planned for that. Um, and like social media is just like it's the easiest and it's the funniest and fastest word of mouth ever created. Um, another one, AirPods. <laughs> before the release of the AirPod Pros, there was nothing but public broke shaming. If you didn't have AirPods before Christmas 2018, like it was nothing but broke shaming. Uh, another one is the advanced FOMO fear of missing out from seeing people travel, right? Like I remember watching the prices of flights to Greece just skyrocket after a few people on Instagram and Twitter went there like a few years ago, but by far and not even close to the other categories of social media influence is music posting dancing videos to vine tiktok and twitter has made some people richer than they could have ever imagined uh first and foremost i want to say props to soldier boy for figuring out that this would be the wave for the foreseeable future because he was absolutely right one of the largest early examples was this horrendous song that combined two dance moves that should should have never been done consecutively uh yes i am talking about watch me by silent ho uh what a nightmare This was back in 2015 where it peaked at number three on the Hot 100 charts because you could dance to it, right? Just a disaster. I've never seen so many unseasoned, lack of rhythm, bland mayonnaise-looking nays in my life. Just awful, right? And I just couldn't imagine feeling that I needed to dance to that and respect myself at the same time. Like, just how? How could you dance to that song and be like, yeah, I'm a fan, right? Just, ugh. No judgment passed. Just just, ugh, just had to get that off my chest. On the other hand, a great example of this trend was when these two girls were dancing to Jimmy Choo by Fetty Wop outside a gas station. That video just blew up and they crushed all seven seconds of that video, which was insane, right? Like I called myself Teddy Wop because I was a huge fan. I hadn't even heard that song before, but here come these two girls putting the song on the map. It peaked it. 65 on the hot 100 and it's easy to say it's solely thanks to that video and this preceded many many more songs and trends like this leading up to where we are with TikTok. all of these just unseasoned dance routines the songs like crash the party uh lottery by k camp which people seem to only know is renegade now poor k camp uh, among any many others has propelled some artists to endless cash for the time being one of the more disheartening examples was when a quote unquote dance was made to a relationship by young thug featuring future, a classic song, if I do say so myself. But and now people know the song for all the wrong reasons. I was asking one of my friends who posted a TikTok to that song if they had listened to the rest of the song before, had even heard it prior to like going on TikTok, and the answer was no, which is is so sad, right? The album relationship is on beautiful thugger girls came out in 2017 and my personal favorite song is on fire but that's besides the point dance videos can make people rich basically for free no necessary advertisement just hope that social media catches on to your song and its wealth for the artist for the foreseeable future which brings me to my closing point on this topic it's kind of sad that there have been so many songs that have lyrics strictly for viral purposes uh Like, they'll put dance moves in there, but the rest of the song is just pure garbage. Uh, Best example is this awful song titled, I'm Not Joking, Hit That Bit for the Gram by Mighty Mike. I'm not going to recite the lyrics because I would uh, accursed my laptop and my microphone by even thinking about doing something like that. But you can research that on your own. It's just so sad hearing those kinds of songs, but I understand where the money is. Make a song that goes big on TikTok and you're in there. You're in there like swimwear. So I want to say thank you for tuning in to another episode of Theo Keeps Talking. If you would like, I would greatly appreciate if you've rated the podcast after listening. Share if you like. I'm aiming to keep my weekend posting schedule consistent. So I'm looking forward to having another one set up either next Saturday or Sunday. Hope that you all had a great week. Stay safe wash your hands, and I hope you all will tune in again soon.